So we're heading, for those of you who've just come back into Colossians 3 this morning, we're going to start at verse 1. If you then, sorry, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, There is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another and if One has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you indeed were called in one body, and be thankful Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Indeed. Amen. Let's just pray. Father, as we open your word together, Lord, as we come together, Lord, to hear what it is that you're saying to us in this part of our service together, we trust, God, that you are a God who draws near to us as we have drawn near to you. God, we incline our hearts and we open our ears to what it is that you're saying to us this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So this year we have been lingering with the themes of freedom and holiness, of walking in true grace and of being transformed from the inside out. 
we've got into the nitty-gritty of life and we've talked about the need to deal with our stuff and to allow God access to help us deal with our stuff. We believe as a pastoral team that God is exhorting us in this season of preparation. Allow me to work in you so I can work through you. You see, faith in Jesus necessitates transformation. We do not stay the same. Sadly, we are not transformed simply by hearing a good message on a Sunday or waving our Bibles over us and hoping that somehow its truth sticks. Our action and our commitment is required. It is through the ongoing process of allowing the Word of God, both His written and spoken Word to us, to take root in us, to meditate upon it, to linger in His presence, in worship and in prayer, and to walk out our life and our transformation process with others. And it's through this process that we are changed. When we talk about transformation, I don't know about you, but it raises a tension for me. And sometimes that tension actually edges into disappointment or even a disillusionment. Scripture over and over again presents for us a picture of our destination, a life of freedom and abundant living and becoming more like Jesus. And yet none of us have to look too far in our own lives and in the lives of those closely around us to know that we have far from arrived at our destination. We may be left wondering, will we ever get there? Will it ever be any different? I want you to consider for a moment how you approach a trip in the car as a driver. You see, for me, I tend to drive the same way to places that I visit regularly. I'm somebody who likes to get to my destination with the most direct route possible and preferably familiar route. Obviously, that's not always possible. And I like to know where I'm going. To be honest, I'm somebody who actually has to work quite hard at enjoying the journey, particularly if we've got a long trip somewhere. Because really, I would prefer to just get there. I often say teleporting would suit me much better. Justin, on the other hand, loves to explore. He enjoys the journey, certainly a lot more than me. And he has this sense of adventure of really enjoying not entirely knowing where he is. And he dislikes driving the same way and will set himself challenges to try and find a different way to get places, preferably without a map and just relying on his man sense. And we can thank Andrew for that terminology in our family and it's now used quite a lot. I can neither confirm nor deny that this difference between us has at times been a source of intense fellowship in our marriage. Maybe I'll get Jim and Jean to pray for us later. 
in 1 Peter, Peter describes his readers as sojourners, which is travellers, so sojourners. And the thing is you don't get to be a sojourner or a traveller by staying in the same place, except perhaps these days I do like to sometimes describe myself as an armchair traveller when my friends are getting to go to wonderful places and they post them on Facebook and then I get to see all the amazing places they're going and will often comment, I'm really enjoying armchair travelling with you. But to be a true sojourner or traveller, you actually don't get to stay in the same place. And throughout scripture, we're reminded that we're on a journey of grace and transformation with language like run the race that's set before you, press on towards the goal, all giving us a sense that we're not quite there yet. Transformation is a process. In fact, much of our life is a process, isn't it? And a journey. There's a process to getting fit. There's a process to learning a new skill. There's a process and time and investment needed to get to know somebody. The problem is we often have a commitment to the destination rather than a commitment to the process. We would prefer to get from A to B on the familiar and well-worn route or, in fact, to have an instant fix. I could call you all up the front right now and we could lay hands on you and we could pray for transformation and freedom. And of course, God is well able to deliver us in an instant, to deliver us from addiction, to release healing, both emotional or physical, or to cause us to have a radical salvation encounter. But even when God shows up powerfully, and let that be, Lord Jesus, that is what we're pursuing, that we would see people set free. But even when he shows up powerfully like that, it is still only a part of the journey and the process of transformation in our life. Each one of us here is in the process of transformation we have not arrived. But here is the good news. God is very committed to the process of transformation in our life. And he actually seeks our commitment to the process too. You see, without a commitment to the process, we will lose our confidence So what I want to do now is just finish by looking at what does a commitment to the process look like? And I've just got three points that I want to share with you this morning. There, I'm sure, are many more, but three things that we are to consider about what a commitment to the process looks like. So a commitment to the process is a commitment not to settle. A couple of years ago now, 
Justin and I decided to do a mini renovation in our family room. We had had a real hodgepodge of different old pieces of furniture that stored all the girls' toys and a computer desk that had our computer on it. And we just decided, well, um, and we're financially in a position to do something to just tidy up the area by actually getting some built-in cupboards. But the process for that was that we obviously needed to unpack all our stuff from the cupboards that had the, the hodgepodge of cupboards and stuff that we'd had, get rid of the old furniture, sort some of the stuff. I managed to get some of that stuff sorted and the rest was just piled into our front living room for the three-week process of building the cabinetry, repainting and getting some electrical work done. Now, I'm not somebody who aspires to a completely show home level of neatness and that idea that it's unlived in, never practical when you've got six people in a family. But I do actually, I have to be honest with you, find clutter and mess fairly stressful. And um, I have to say that I would be completely hopeless in a renovation situation. The, the time we renovated our house, we moved out for it. So, But after this three weeks of mess, I could not wait to get the stuff out of my front room and back into the cupboards. But the problem was that there was actually still some sorting that was needed some things that um, probably still needed just to be chucked out, some things that actually needed to be donated or another home found for. But I had run out of energy for the process. And so back into the new cupboards, it all went. Two years later, there are still things in my cupboard that should not be there. Things that because I ran out of energy for the process, got shoved back in, I'll get to it later. Ziploc bags of stuff, I don't even know really what's in them. Because I got fed up and I was annoyed by the mess. I actually have a notorious streak for starting strongly on projects like this, but getting fed up with the process and ending up with a job that's half done. I wonder how many of us in the midst of the messy process of transformation and of pulling stuff out of the cupboards of our life, that even when we have been provided with a new cupboard, get tired of the mess and hurriedly shove it all back in there, behind closed doors, out of sight, out of mind. Colossians 3 begins with this exhortation and I'm reading from the message paraphrase this time. It says, so if you are serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with things right in front of you. Look up. And be alert to what's going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. The ESV says, seek things above and set your mind on them. Even when we have not arrived at our destination yet, we are to be in pursuit 
of freedom and not to settle for anything less. My life may yet not fully manifest freedom, but I am to move towards it, pursuing it, setting my mind on Jesus and his truth. Romans 12, probably a familiar passage to you, says or describes the need for a continual ongoing process of transformation through the renewing of our mind, of bringing our thinking, our mind and our will and emotions in line with God's truth. We are not to settle for the lie based on our experiences and the mess that we can see in our lives still that we will never be free. Because the word says that we are to live free, that we are to live as free people. A commitment to the process is a commitment not to settle, to not simply shove stuff back in our cupboard for a quick fix to the mess. We are not to settle for partial transformation a bit of transformation or transformation that's good enough for us to limp along and live with. It is for freedom that Christ set us free, Galatians says. He paid a high price for our freedom and he wants to get what he paid for. So I want to ask you this morning, Is there an area in your life and transformation process where you have settled for less than living fully free? What have you shoved back in the cupboard? Remember, without a commitment to the process, we will lose our confidence. Number two, a commitment to the process is a commitment to our character. In this passage in Colossians, Paul uses this language of putting off and putting on, of putting off the old self and putting on the new. And he uses this phrasing and this language to convey to us that we are to participate sorry, in the ongoing process of transformation to being coming more like Jesus and acting like it. The process of transformation clearly does include dealing with our stuff, the putting off of sinful practices and behaviour. But Paul makes it clear this is not a call to just focus on what we need to put off, but also what we need to put on. We are not simply moving away from something, we are moving towards something. We are not just weeding, we are also sowing and planting. We are not just on the defensive We are called to be on the offensive. In Colossians 3, 12 to 14, 
And again, I'm just going to use the message paraphrase just because of the phrasing of it. It says this, So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God has picked out for you. I love that phrase. Dress in the wardrobe God has picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offence. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master has forgiven you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Notice that every one of these things that Paul lists for us to put on is a quality of character. There are no gifts or abilities listed there. They are all qualities of our character. The wardrobe transformation, if you like, that God has picked out for us to put on is all about the transformation of our character, the transformation from the inside out. A commitment to the process is a commitment to our character. We are called to be as invested in the internal transformation of our character as we are on the externals of our behaviour. You see, God is not simply calling us to a behaviour modification program. He is not looking for us by external means of control simply based on our willpower of putting off, but actually on the internal transformation of our character in relationship and dependence with him. And God has not left us powerless. His power is available for us for freedom. And it's found in the power of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So are you willing today to renew your commitment to invest in your character, to allow God to develop you from the inside out. And finally, a commitment to the process is a commitment to people. If you have a quick look at Colossians 3, 12 to 15 again, you'll notice that everything that we are to put on is in the context of community. Bear with one another. Forgive each other. Put on love which binds everything together. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body. Kindness, compassion, humility, forgiveness, patience can only be demonstrated and tested and developed in the context of relationship with others. I am a very patient person when I'm on my own. (laughs) 
Paul goes on to say, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. Surprise, surprise. We are supposed to walk out the process of transformation in community. I have met people in my role as a pastor who mistakenly believe that all they need is Jesus. Now, before you think I'm heading down some heretical line, all we need is Jesus when it comes to salvation. But to walk out this process of living the normal Christian life, to say that all we need is Jesus, is unbiblical. Being a part of the body in community is foundational to living the normal Christian life. A commitment to the process is a commitment to people. We are meant to care for each other in community. Yes, it's messy. Yes, it is vulnerable to do that and to actually be open and honest about where we're at or what we're struggling with. But it's necessary. We are called to walk together to encourage each other, to speak truth to each other, to worship together, to keep each other accountable and to stay the course together. You need people in your life because we cannot make this journey of transformation in isolation. So let me ask you this question. Who are the people who know you who know your story, who know the things you're struggling with or the things you're believing for and praying for and trusting God for? Who are those people in your life who you've given permission to speak into your life and who you get to exhort, admonish and encourage in their walk with the Lord? We are sojourners on a journey, invited into God's process of transformation in our lives. But without a commitment to the process, we lose our confidence. And our commitment to the process includes a commitment not to settle, a commitment to our character and a commitment to people and community. Would you stand this morning? My encouragement to you this morning, I started this uh, sermon by talking about the need for the ongoing process in our lives, that it is not sufficient for us to just simply hear um, a message or even a series of messages and expect that by the process of simply hearing that we will be transformed. And so my exhortation and encouragement to you this morning is 
to take what God is talking to you about, what he is revealing to you, and to begin to walk that through with him and to gather people in your life who can stand with you in that process. So, Father, we thank you that you are a God who is committed to the process of transformation in our life. We recognise that faith in you, Lord Jesus, necessitates transformation and not staying the same. We recognise, God, that we cannot transform ourselves, that we are utterly and completely dependent upon you. But we also recognise, God, that you do call us to account and, God, you do call for our commitment to the process. Father, I just acknowledge that, God, there are times when we get discouraged and even disillusioned and even lose a sense of hope for change and breakthrough and transformation in our lives. So, God, if that is the case for anybody this morning, God, I pray that you would bring a renewed sense of hope and, God, that in you and through the power of the Holy Spirit there would be a renewed commitment to the process. And, Father, for each one of us, because none of us have arrived yet, we ask, God, that you would continue to be at work in us. We choose to open our hearts to you. We choose to incline our ears um, to you to listen to what you are saying. And, God, we just continue to ask, change us, God. Change us. We want to be more like your son, Jesus. Change us, God, from the inside out. Do not leave us the same. In Jesus' name, amen.